Well, I was seeking the Lord for a message and a little thought dropped into my heart. I wanted to just share with you. And it came from a verse that the Lord Jesus spoke actually in his ministry, uh, near the end of his ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And at one point he was looking over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. And, you know, because they were not uh, receiving him and his message and the purpose that he came for. And he proclaimed that this city and the beautiful temple that was there at the time, uh, that it would be besieged and destroyed. And, uh, and he said what the attackers would do in Luke 19 and verse 44. He said the attackers would level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You know, that phrase really jumped out at me, that that great destruction came because they didn't know or recognize the time of their visitation. They didn't recognize the time they were living in. Um, it was a time and a season where the living God was visiting them. And he wanted to bring them into something new as a people, as a generation. But they rejected it. And consequentially, that generation suffered greatly and uh, terrible consequences because of it. Now, that was in the natural for Israel. But yet there's a spiritual interpretation for us as well that we can understand through this is that God has his times and his seasons of visitation in each of our lives. And the most important thing we can ever do as really as human beings, uh, much less as believers, is that we meet him in the way he wants to move in that time and in that season. And we're going to look at different ways uh, of how he moves in those times um, because they are various and our, sometimes the struggle is figuring out, Lord, what are you doing? What do you want to do? What's your purpose and your plan? But I want to consider something that was said about one of the tribes of Israel. And this is in 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 32. Something interesting is brought out. And it says in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, it says, And the children of Issachar, they were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. That, that's an interesting statement to make about a tribe, isn't it? They were men that had understanding of the times, and because of that, they knew what to do. They knew what Israel needed to do in the seasons they were in. And, you know, most commentators kind of relate this to a political knowledge, and I'm sure there's a true reality of that. Uh, they were a centrally, lo centrally located tribe, fairly prosperous. But I think the context of this verse is also important because uh, this, the context of First uh, Chronicles 12 is discussing the formation of David's mighty men. And so uh, the tribe of Issachar, actually 200 of the tribe of Issachar joined David. And Perhaps it was because they sensed a change that was taking place in their nation. Um, God was going to do something new. He was going to bring them into a new season as a nation, into, 
into a further development of the promises of God, right? And, and in fact, into arrest eventually from their enemies. They sense that. And that, that comment was made about the children of Issachar. Of course, it was a long road for David. He had a long road to walk and they had to walk with him on that. But it brings that out. They sense that God was working upon a man and through a man and he was doing something new in the nation and they were able to to comprehend that and that was commendable to them you know throughout the scriptures we see how in troubling times those in authority would turn to ones who had an understanding who who knew what god was doing in that time and in that season because those in authority want answers. They want to know what to do. And, you know, it. we can see an example of that in the book of Esther. You remember when Queen Vashti uh, refused to come when the king commanded her? And, and it says of this in Esther 1.13, it says, The king called to the wise men who understood the times. Right? The king looked to the wise men who had an understanding of the time they were living in. They had an understanding of how the laws were in effect and so forth. And this was probably more in a natural sense. These were not godly men who understand understood the ways of God. Um, but I think that we can look at that as a principle. And also we can look at other examples of how they did turn to godly men. You know, we've looked at uh, Joseph and his life and how Pharaoh when he needed an answer to understand his dreams and the times they were coming into, he called for Joseph, or Pharaoh called for Joseph. And also King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a troubling dream. He called for the wise men, but only Daniel had an understanding of the times and the seasons, you know, because he was connected to God. Also Belshazzar, he saw the handwriting on the wall, right? the finger of God writing on the wall, and he also called for Daniel. And then King Darius, he also called for Daniel. Daniel was called for a lot, uh, but it's because he was wise and he knew the times. And he had an interpretation of what God was saying in that season and how he was visiting the nations. And so the world is looking and is going to look for those who have an answer uh, because they have an understanding of the times and of the seasons of what God is doing in the nations and in the earth. And so we want to recognize that and learn to recognize what God is doing and to be those who understand the times and the seasons. But I think we can understand something is that before we're going to recognize what's going on in the earth and recognize God moving, you know, it has to start in our lives. We have to learn to recognize what God is doing in us, what he wants to do and what he's taking us through and what he wants to speak to us and what he wants to work in us. You know, when we can learn to recognize God's hand upon us, then we'll start to learn to recognize his hand moving in other people and in other situations. And the world will look for that knowledge because it brings stability. That kind of knowledge brings stability Isaiah 33, 6 says, Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times 
and strength of salvation and the fear of the Lord it is, tre- is his treasure. You know, and, and so we want that for the times we're living in because there's going to be great uncertainty. But w- when you consider it from a personal sense, how much more do we want that in our lives? Right? We want stability and strength in our lives, and it comes through wisdom and through identifying what God is doing in the season that we're in, in our lives. And it's not just for the big and powerful situations, right? Sometimes we are inclined to seek for mighty things and for God to do uh, miracles and, and so forth. You know, we hope for those things, but they shouldn't be our main focus. You know, Israel, and specifically the Pharisees, they kept challenging Jesus to show them a mighty sign of his authority as if he hasn't, hadn't shown enough already of the many signs he had uh, accomplished and performed in their midst. But, um, you know, they kept challenging him. Show me another sign. Show us something greater. And Jesus basically said that was so foolish because he had come to do the greater miracle. In fact, the greatest miracle of all, which was to plant a seed of faith in their lives so that it would become a mighty tree. And, you know, they were blocking that because they only wanted what, you know, would happen in the natural. They were stuck on their natural understanding, natural thinking, and so they could only discern natural things. But they were blind to the work of faith that God was trying to do. And so he answered to them in Matthew 16 and verse 2. He said, When it's evening, you'll say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. You hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. You see, that generation, or many in that generation, did not have a spiritual sight to see what God wanted to do in their midst. You know, he wanted to come to each of them and plant a seed of faith if they would receive it, but so many did not. They were trying to obtain uh, an outcome of God moving in their nation in the natural. They wanted to be set free from Rome and, and so forth. But God had not come first to reign on earth. He had come first to reign in our hearts. And that's so important that we remember that we can identify or come to learn to identify and recognize God coming to reign in our hearts, to plant his seeds of faith, to work, because that is the wisdom and knowledge that will bring stability in our lives. Now, I want to devote the remainder of our time to just considering some aspects of how God wants to move in those times and seasons in our lives. And as I mentioned before, part of the problem of identifying that is that God moves so often in different ways. He does not like to do the same thing twice, it seems. You know, he wants to move in different ways and in different seasons. And we have to move with him and identify that and flow, learn to flow with what he wants to do. And so there's a familiar passage I want to read with you, and it's uh, several verses, but it goes by fast. And so uh, it's something that 
was said by the preacher in Jerusalem, which was King Solomon. You know, he had, there, he had a certain understanding of how God worked in life. Unfortunately, he didn't apply that understanding to his own life. He preached it to others. But, you know, we want to allow God to apply that to our lives so that we can recognize him moving in us and submit to that and flow with it. And so Solomon said this, Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1. He said, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. And so there's many examples of how God wants to move. You know, there's a time and a purpose of God in every season. And it's kind of interesting how you see those examples and it's, it's almost like one contradicts another. How can, you, how can you have a time of rending, tearing, and then sowing? Right? There's either one taking place or it's another. And it's so important that we understand what does God want to do? Does he want to try and fix something? And sometimes to fix, you have to tear out or remove a section, then you can sow something new, you know, or sometimes you have to, to take stones out before you can build up a good foundation of stones. And there's many other things that God wants to do and ways he wants to work. And, you know, if we live by principle, the thing that, that's going to happen is we're just going to pick the one that seems best to us. And usually it's the one that's nicer, that's more pleasant right? We don't like things being rent, so we want things to be sewn up. You know, we don't like God dealing with our hearts, so we just say, Lord, build up, not take the stony places out of our heart, and so forth, and many other things. You know, we don't, we don't like to hear about hatred. We want to hear about love because that's more pleasant. But God wants to deal with things in our hearts, and he wants to give us a holy hatred for what is wicked and a, and a lo divine love for what is righteous, and many other things. But, you know, our part is learning to discern, Lord, what are you doing in this season? And so I just want to consider some or a few today, well, actually two aspects of uh, what he wants to do, a work that God wants to do. And, and the first one that was mentioned was a time to be born and a time to die. And you know, a time to be born, I think we can understand that as believers, is that God has a time where he desires us to be birthed into his kingdom. Jesus said, you must be born again. And so we're born into his kingdom and our eyes are opened. And no matter how old we are, we can be 90 years old. But when we're saved and we're born again into his kingdom, it's like we're a brand new baby, understanding something totally new. And it's not naturally, but it's spiritually, that our, our spiritual eyes are open. We have faith 
that we never had before. And we can see and we can, well, we can start to learn and comprehend, but it's as a baby learns, slowly but surely, we learn and we grow and we increase. And so God wants us to be born again into his kingdom. There's a time to be born and birthed in, uh, in the kingdom of God. But you know, you can, you can look at even natural life and understand there's, there's even a further work of birthing that God wants to do. You know, leading uh, youth groups and uh, youth camps for many years, we noticed something about young people. You know, they'd come into camp maybe at 12 or 13 years of age, and they had no clue what they were going to do in life. You know, they were just kind of going along and going to school and so forth. But as they got older, they got a sense of what the Lord had for them or what they wanted to do in life. And it was like they got a new clarity and a new understanding and something was birthed within them to, to do something. And we know we knew many young people who, who experienced that and they knew what they wanted to do in life and they pursued that. And there's something about the Christian life. Yes, we can be born again, but you know, God wants to birth within us a vision of his plan for our lives, his purpose, why we were created and put on this earth. And God wants to bring us into that birthing so that we'll hit the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus for our lives. Because each of us had a plan that was written before the foundation of the earth. And we want to allow God to birth that within us. There's a time to be born so that we focus on what matters in life, right? Anything outside of what he's created us to do and our calling, you know, yes, we can do it, but it's not going to last. It's not eternal. And so we want something to be birthed within our hearts that causes us to focus on what will matter in eternity because everything else is going to fade away and not remain. And, and so we can pray, Lord, birth that desire for what is eternal in me and cause the things of the earth to grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. So there's a time to be born, a time for a birthing, but there's also a time to die. Right? There, there can be a season where something different is taking place, and, you know, there are times that before we can grow in the newness of life, there has to be a death. You know, that's true ultimately in the natural when we consider eternity. You know, we'll all have a glorious, or those who trust in Christ have a glorious kingdom awaiting us. You know, like we've considered in Pilgrim's Progress, and written by John Bunyan. You know, Christian was looking for the celestial city and he came to the city, but before he could get there, he had to cross through the river, which symbolized death. But he crossed over and he became, came into, an, into newness of life and into the glorious city. You know, all of us are going to close our eyes and hopefully we'll all open them again in eternity, you know, into God's glorious city and his kingdom. But there's also a reality in life that we also want to consider, you know, because we're considering seasons that God works within us, that before the newness of life from Christ can come, there has to be a death in us, a death to our ways, our way of doing things, our thoughts that are much lower 
than his thoughts. His ways are so much higher. And so sometimes God has to bring a death. We have to pick up our cross and follow him, die to our own ways and live to him. And so there is that reality in life that God wants to bring a death to whatever would hinder us from following him, from taking up our cross and following him. And so there's a season of that where God really focuses on those things and you know, he wants to do that work. And it's like John the Baptist. He knew that after he had done the work of preparing the way of the Lord, he was coming into a new season. And what was that season? He described it to his disciples in, uh, in John 3 and verse 30. You know, speaking about Jesus, he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. And there's seasons where God focuses on that you know, very powerfully where he wants us to decrease in our ways, in our agendas, our dreams and visions so that we can receive his dream and his vision for our lives. And so there are seasons where we want to recognize, oh, God is putting his finger on certain things, certain areas of our life. And, and we might say, Lord, why is this taking place? Why do I have to endure this? But the answer is always that he would bring forth fruit that fruit of new life. You know, just like that seed of faith has to be planted. And of course, Jesus said a seed, you know, can't bring forth life unless it is put into the ground and dies. But when it does, it bears much fruit. And so we have to allow God to take us through those seasons so that that life can spring forth. Well, let's look at one more in this list. And we're going to skip around a bit, but I, I want to consider what it says in verse 7, if we could today, um, back in Ecclesiastes. And in verse 7, it says, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. There's a time to keep silent, and then there's a time to speak. And, uh, you know, when we face a trial in life or a spiritual enemy, the, the the challenging thing can be to know how to respond. You know, of course, the first thing we want to say is, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, be gone, right? And we want a quick victory. We want to overcome, so we'll rebuke the enemy and so forth. But, you know, there's seasons and trials where the key to victory is simply in keeping silent, in not responding, in holding our peace, and, you know, of course, we see the greatest example in our Lord as he allowed himself to become the Lamb of God. Who, and it talks about that in Isaiah 53, 7. He says, he was the Lamb who opened not his mouth, but as a lamb, he was silent before his shearers. You know, as he was being cut up and, you know, mocked and ridiculed, he was silent. He only spoke when he was quickened by his father and the words his father gave him. You know, it also says this about the Lord, or the Lord says this about himself, we could say, in, in Isaiah 42 and verse 14. It says, I have a long time held my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. And this is God speaking. But then there's a change. It says, now I will cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. And so we see these two aspects with God. 
He absolutely has his time when he moves and he conquers, and that's the ultimate outcome. In his plan, he always triumphs. He will always devour and destroy whatever is opposing his plan. But we have to take note that it says, for a long time he holds his peace. He is still and he refrains himself. And, you know, this can be one of the greatest keys to obtaining victory. Sometimes we just have to get out of the way for God to bring victory. Um, Our problem can be is that sometimes when God is silent and we don't see activity, we want there to be activity. and, And when there's not, we try and make some activity. We try and fill in the gaps Uh, with our own effort and our own words and so forth. And usually it just makes things more complicated, causes us trouble. But we need to remember what the Lord said through Moses as, you know, Israel was crossing the Red Sea and they were, had the, the sea before them and an enemy behind them that wanted to destroy them. The Lord said this through Moses in Exodus 14 and verse 13. As Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of God, of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, you shall hold your peace. You know, the key for Israel in that season and in that situation was to stand still and hold their peace, and they would see the salvation of the Lord. And there are times when we, in a situation, you know, we can be facing trials, we can be facing difficulties, but when God is not moving and He is not speaking, so often the key is to hold our peace. Not try and produce something through our own effort or our own wisdom, but to wait for God to move on our behalf. The key is to hold our peace, to stand still until we see the salvation of God coming on our behalf. And we trust and believe that God is, he is going to fight for us. We can't fight for ourselves, but God will fight for us if we will wait for him. And I love what it says. It says, you have seen the enemy today, but you will see them no more. That's the effectiveness when we allow God to fight for us. You know, sometimes you read about these uh, kings in Israel or Judah, and they would fight some battles. Sometimes they would win it, but the very next season, the enemy would come back, sometimes with greater numbers. And that symbolizes working in our own effort and our own strength. But when we fight in the strength of the Lord, he brings a, a victory where the enemy is seen no more. And that's what we want. That's what we need. And so there's a time to hold our peace and not to speak. But then there comes a season where there is a day of speaking and a day of declaration. You know, after we have allowed the seed of faith to be planted and for that, you know, death experience to take place, and then we're waiting upon God and he, he is putting life within us, Right, we, we, Because we know as we wait upon the Lord, our strength is renewed and life begins to flow. And there comes a time when we can make a declaration based on the faith he has put in our hearts. 
And it's like Jesus said to his disciples, Mark eleven twenty three. he said, For truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he hath said shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. You know, there comes a time when God, he forms something within us, that seed of faith and power, and that is the basis, and it must be the basis for our declarations, for what we say. And when we can speak by faith, we'll be able to say to that mountain before us, be thou removed, be cast into the sea. You know, there's a time to be silent, but then there's a time to speak. And when we speak, oh, the power that comes when we speak because of a word of faith that God has placed in our hearts. I remember Pastor Bailey sharing a story of how they were facing a situation and it was very difficult and they, were de- they knew they were dealing with spiritual powers, principalities and powers in, in high places. And, and at that time, they didn't get the victory that, that they were looking for. But I remember him saying that he traveled on to another place and there came a time, I think he was just in his hotel room or the room he was staying in and, and, and God came to him and he said, I want you to, to, to declare something. And as God said that to him, two fallen angels appeared before him. And he understood they were the fallen angels who were causing the problem in that situation. And God said, I want you to command a chain to be brought to bind these angels and that they be taken down into the pit. And so Pastor Bailey did that. He, he declared, let a chain be brought. And a chain came. And he said, let, the, let, the, let them be bound. And he said, when, that, when it happened, the angels just bowed their head. And they were bound. They knew their time had come. And, and he said, let them be taken down. And the angels were taken down. And he said, from that point on, the situation changed. There was a release and there was a victory. But it was because the time had come to speak that word of faith. And faith comes by hearing from heaven, hearing and being directed by God in those declarations. And so we, we need to speak those words of faith uh, given from heaven because they are the basis for the victory that he wants to give to us. And so these are just a few examples uh, that show us the need to understand right, the times and seasons and what God is trying to do, how he's working in our lives. You know, and if we're going to be those who know and understand and have the answers for those around us and have the answers for the generation we're living in today, we also have to be the people who have come to know and recognize and respond to what God is doing in each of our lives, to the seasons he's taking us through. And as we meet with him in our seasons, allow him to bring a birthing of new life and bring us into new areas, but also allow him to to do what he needs to do in our hearts, you know, because sometimes before new life can come, there has to be something removed. There has to be a decrease of ourselves, a dying to ourselves so that there can be an increase of the, of the life and power of his spirit. 
And then quite often he leads us through valleys and the battles that we face. And there's many times and many seemingly long seasons where we have to wait upon God and and keep silent and not try and accomplish something in our own strength or effort. And stand still and see the salvation of God as he works on our behalf. But we can believe for the day to come where he will fill our hearts and he will fully form that work of faith within us so that we can declare to that mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, into the depths. Because his ultimate purpose for us is victory. Father, thank you. Thank you for the victory that you have ordained in us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would even help us today. Lord, help us to to learn to recognize you and what you want to do in the many seasons, O God, that we're in. Lord, would you come and bring new life? O God, let do something new, a fresh birthing, Lord, to focus on what matters for us, what your plan and your purpose is for us. And Lord, a, a fresh... Uh, allowance for you to come in and work, Lord, if there's something that needs to be removed and circumcised and cut away. Oh, God, come and do that work that we can pick up our cross and follow you. Oh, Lord, lead us. Lord, help us to, to wait upon you and to be stand still and be silent in those seasons. And Lord, just to wait for your hand to move. And Lord, that we could declare, oh, Lord, that precious and powerful word of faith for that mountain to be removed, that we could go on in our journey with you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.